Okay, how you doing, everybody? And welcome to episode number 85 of the John Riley Project. I am so pleased to have as my guest today, Catherine Cloward, an award-winning book series author, performing songwriter, media publisher, producer, and serial entrepreneur. How you doing, Catherine? Good. I'm so glad to be here. And I love the purple branding you've got with the... With your logo and, and well, the curtains, and I'm fitting yes, in. Yes, you are. So I should be wearing purple, too. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. You know, we were comparing notes, and we have mutual friends. We were talking about, you know, uh, Gabby Dow and mm-hmm. Steve Dow, and they've been on the on the show, and, and you knew them, and that's how we connected. Yes. And I know Steve did a podcast with you, because you have your own podcast. Yeah. And I just, that's great how how it's interesting how we connect absolutely and, and how people you know find each other yes and the joy and the willingness to want to help each other spread our messages and um and the interlinking of that and the ripple of that is just beautiful and it's never ending never ending never ending so you know when um when steve contacted me he says you need to talk to Catherine. i mean it's this <laughs> remarkable young lady and she has all of this incredible story as an entrepreneur and a as a writer and as a musician and i, I was just going through your bio and you can see i have all these notes and it's all highlighted <laughs> and there's a lot going on here yeah I, i'm trying to think where the heck do we start <laughs> so where do you want to start i, I want to learn about you i mean what's uh, what's your backstory how did you get started in your career and take me down this path right. this journey you've been on and, and how it's going. Right. Well, um, well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here and have the opportunity to share. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, uh, that's always an interesting question because people are like, what do you do? Like, what do you actually do? You know, because <laughs> at different times, you know, they see me this way. But mm-hmm. really, there's just all this other stuff that's happening. But, you know, ultimately, I've always been, I've just always believed in possibilities, and I've always, um, I've never really enjoyed being boxed in, and uh, and so that's kind of the trajectory of of my career mm-hmm. is that you know I can shift on a dime and 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 see solutions. So um, you know, but ultimately, I you know I, I was raised with three older brothers, mm-hmm. and um, my parents uh, they raised us in this really you know we were kind of like a lower middle class family. Uh, I didn't even have I had no clue what that even was. Like I didn't <laughs> know we just had this life, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, we were very involved. My parents were very involved in scouting and boy scouting, very involved in the church that we grew up in, um, and that kind of linked us, uh, you know, to Father Joe. Well, didn't kind of we were linked to Father Joe very much. And and here I am decades later, and I'm, you know, writing a book for him now. And so I'm just looking back at my life going, whoa, it's so incredible. Everything just connects and links. And Mm -hmm. um, but why I bring up my family structure is I think so much about who I am is it was shaped during that time of um, being the only girl and the youngest in this very masculine energy household. Mm -hmm. And, And I was my nature is I'm a very expressive, um, sensitive, creative, imaginative person. Mm-hmm. And that didn't necessarily fit into that that family. <laughs> Masculine, <laughs> so, toxic. Yeah, 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 well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I – and I didn't necessarily have a voice which is very important to share. Now, my brothers, we all have different ways we look at our at our upbringing. But for me, this is my story, right? And so that 
that imaginative play that I did in my room where I would write songs and I would fantasize and imagine and I would give speeches and I'm doing all those things now. So what was interesting is this imagination that I had as a little girl. I have manifested that into my life. And uh, and it wasn't immediate. I lived this, this interesting winding road that all connected. And why I share that with you is because that's what I see in children now. That's, you know, my passion. One of my, my main lead passion projects is, is bringing my childhood nickname, Catherine the Grape, to life as a series of books and music. That was your childhood nickname. Yes. Well, it wasn't my family childhood nickname. Actually, my entire family calls me Mitzi. Mitzi. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's like an old-fashioned name. I, I like that. I know. So, um, so my name is Catherine, and my mm. parents couldn't decide on – my dad wanted to nickname me Katie, mm-hmm. and my mom didn't want that, and they definitely didn't want Kathy, and they just couldn't agree on a, on a, a shortened version of Catherine. So it was just Catherine. But somewhere, when I was a little girl, the story goes that they used to call me Miss Pris, right? When I was little, little. <laughs> Again, three older brothers. Yeah, and so right. They used to call me yeah. Miss Pris, Missy, and mm-hmm. that turned into Mitzi. And so my dad, mm. you know, so here I am, a grown woman, and my brothers call me Mitz. Mm-hmm. My dad, he passed a few years ago, but he always called me Mitzi Bell. And so, uh, so that's what I was called in my family. But I had this softball coach by the name of Mr. Perosi. We all called him Mr. P. He was this amazing volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, well, he was a blues angel. He had this incredible career in the Navy. Oh, wow. Um, yes. And he was a blues angel. And then he volunteered for a few decades, really uh, helping young girls in, um, in softball. Right? Nice. And he lived in the neighborhood. We all know his wife and his daughter and, um, Anyways, he would give us all kind of nicknames, probably mainly as a way to remember, you know, 75 girls every season that he was helping yeah, out on all the yeah, teams. Yeah. And so I loved the color purple and I wore it all the time. Plus, it was the colors of, of our Navajo softball at the time. But um, I wore it all the time. So he called me Catherine the Grape. So that's what he always called me from the time <laughs> I was 11. If he saw me, you know, we grew up in San Carlos. So we were, you know, whether it was at Cow's Mountain or the lake or I ran into him at the grocery store. He's like, Catherine the Grape. And he always just called me that. And so um, that came to life all these, you know, a few decades later. It was actually my mom's idea to make that as a, as a childhood, um, or excuse me, as a children's book character. It wasn't my idea. It was my mom's idea. Because my mom's a prolific, you know, she's a, she, she's a I should say, a voracious reader, if that's yeah, the right yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a right. reader. And she always wanted to write a book. And so she and I talked about it a little bit, and then it, nothing came to fruition. And then about 10 years later, which was 10 years ago, I started. And so I, I do what I do, really, because the inner, the little girl inside of me was expressing herself through yeah, me. Yeah. And um, and as I was learning and growing and developing some tools of self-love that I that I desperately needed as a grown woman, that I was having all these wonderful kind of new new awarenesses about myself, I wanted my son to have those and I wanted all children to have them. And that's that's why I do what I do. So what I'm learning I want to share with other people. So is Catherine the Grape is a what's well, that's your nickname, but it's a character in a children's book. Yes. And then this book you co-wrote with your mom? Yes. Well, backing up. No, she she actually didn't take my mom. She, I gotta, mom, you're going to sit over here for a little while. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's there's a lot happening with Catherine the Grape. So Catherine the Grape is this illustrated character. OK. Right. And the first 
full series that I've completed is called Kath on the Grape Affirmation Series. So there's seven books in the series that each book teaches ultimately an affirmation. I am magical. I am colorful. I am love. I am kind. I am unique. I am grateful. I am joyful. Those are the seven Catherine the Great wow. affirmations. And each book is really like this journey that this character goes on of, of learning about herself, which the buzzwords are social, emotional learning, self-development. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, my sister-in-law is a teacher and she's just like, Catherine, your books are totally social, emotional learning. I was like, what's that? And she goes, that's <laughs> like the biggest thing now. And I was like, that's what I do. <laughs> you right. know? Right. It's not like I, I knew that that was a thing. I just yeah. was like, this is what was, this is what I needed as a grown woman. Yeah. And I wanted to give it to children. So I take these really big concepts, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I simplify so, for example, you know, I think that, you know, I think that it's would be rather I think it's easier to take the concept of gratitude and write 15 chapters on different stories of gratitude. Right. right? And talking about gratitude when when life is going great. But to simplify what truly is the root of gratitude to children, to help children see it through another child. Right. That's what I do. And so, and that's what Catherine the Grape is. So she she has this. She's this ordinary everyday girl. The character yeah. goes to school, plays sports. Mm-hmm. Um, she likes to play music. Hello, yeah. and then but she <laughs> is on this kind of personal journey, which is what children are going through. I was going through that stuff when I was a little girl, like that self analysis, that where do I fit in, the social comparison, um, the gratitude book, the Catherine the Grape's Grateful Garden talks a lot about social comparison. And so, I mean, who's not doing that? Right now, right. Our, well, you yeah. know, even yeah. my son the other day was like, "Mom, I need a new phone." I was like, "You've got a really great phone." Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And I was like, and "Some people don't have a phone, you know." And so we went through the same thing at teaching Catherine the Great is, you know, this is what we have. And there's some people who might have more, some people might have seemingly less, but the gratitude is being happy with what you have and who you are. Yes. And and that's a concept that we need generationally, not just our children. Everybody needs it. And so my hope with Catherine the Grape, um, or not my hope, but my goal, of course, is these. Me- it's very message centric. Like the message matters most to me. Yes. Um, and so, and who's getting those messages? Children's books aren't going anywhere. They're they exist, and pe- parents want children to read books. You know, like get them off the tablet. They want to read the books. Yeah. But if you're listening. You know, who listens to music in the car with their kids? Parents. Right. Right? So if you're reading along with your children, you're aware of what your children are reading, you're aware of what your children are listening to, you're getting the message too. So everyone's getting the same message. And then um, I took Catherine, so I was, I was in this kind of elementary school age group, yeah. which is where the affirmation series really hits. Mm-hmm. But I was doing a lot of Catherine the Grape shows, and the age group for those the shows are, are younger children, and my yeah. books are more wordy for than for younger children. So right. I was like, you know what? I need to age her down. And so now, and I and I had kind of always planned on doing this full thing, but I was like, we need to do it now. So in the past year, we've been really we've produced a lot of material, and so this affirmation series is done and out. It comes in a black and white version as well. And then I've just aged Catherine the Grape down to be a preschool character in the Let's Read Together series. And that's where I brought my mom back in. I said, Mom, let's ah, do this together. Oh, cool. Okay. And so my mom yeah. and I made all the decisions for that series together. And, and it just came out with eight books that are kind of these traditional these traditional um, stories, like 
uh, you know, three little kittens, wheels on the bus, but with Catherine the Great characters. Okay. And then that series is the one that will that can grow exponentially. Like this is kind of like this is this series, and then I have a different illustrator who aged Catherine the Great down, and we're just boom, boom, boom. But you're, but you're still teaching valuable life lessons. Yes. In the in the age down version. Yes. So for yeah. example, I'm so excited. <laughs> I just got the illustrations back for a book that's called Catherine the Grapes. Um, treasure box with tools of love. Okay, so this series, the affirmation series, ultimately there's these seven affirmations, and each each affirmation comes with like a you know a, a tool that she gets, the magical wand, mm-hmm. the charm bracelet, the coin that says I love you, right. a pouch with kindness confetti. Okay, it's all like interwoven. My mind's like a matrix, right? Yeah, this and is so, good. This is good. And so then the Grateful Garden, yeah. she gets, um, oh my gosh, I can't even think of what's in the Grateful Garden tool at the moment. Oh, the key that, hello, I'm worried at the, the key that opens. Okay. The, key, the key to gratitude is love. And then the joyful uh, book is the butterfly wings because we're all free to fly. So I wanted to teach all these concepts to kids, but the, uh, to younger children, but they needed to be aged down, like age appropriate. Yeah. Just like these are the concepts I teach adults in my adult. Yeah. Songs. Right. So uh, one day in the spring, I knew I wanted to do it. I was like, should I do seven books or how should I do this? And then in March, I was in Sedona, like my most sanctuary destination. Yes. And and I just got woken up one morning and poof, the book just came to me. And like I received it, and that's how I receive basically everything. Just kind of comes to me that way. I just receive it. It's just like kind of channeled through me, and poof, I wrote the book. And wow. so, um, so we had to kind of get all these other books done, and then I just sent over. And I, you know, I, I always storyboard. The con- I have to see it in my mind first before I can have somebody create an illustration. And so I sent over the storyboards to her. And I just got the illustrations back. So that book, I'm pushing that through. So because I want that's the book I just want to give to kids. I just want to yeah, be like yeah, you, yeah. everyone needs this book. Yeah. So so now you're right. Age down. So we're getting the same messages of love, just age appropriate, right? Yeah. And then we age up, and then we'll keep aging up. Right, because they're timeless principles that we all need to learn or have reinforced. Yes. You know. So th- this is fascinating because as an author. There, I know of a. There's another person that used to live here in Poway, and he lives in Utah now. And he's created his own series of children's books, mm-hmm. and it's called the Tuttle Twins. Okay. And and what he's doing, it's similar. He he's teaching very very valuable life lessons. He's trying to educate children. He's taking kind of heady concepts and then kind of simplifying them, yep. and so they're more digestible for a young child. I just think that's a great mission in general, trying to teach children maybe messages that they don't necessarily get in their regular school uh, format, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think as an entrepreneur, it creates all kinds of great opportunities for you to not only, you know, for you to, to have success and at the same time do it by helping other people. Yes. Yes. Well, I am a businesswoman mm-hmm. and meaning meaning like and what I mean by that is there's this creative side of m- my brain and the the strategic business side of my brain and mm-hmm. then now it used to kind of be separate and now it's all interwoven which is yeah. beautiful but interwoven within everything Catherine the Grape is an entire merchandising line I just haven't gotten there yet we haven't we're not there yet you yeah. know yeah. but we're but 2020 is you know when I plan on having the Catherine the Grape doll come out and getting these 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 tools oh, so the ev- possibilities are endless they're endless but the thing is is 
why I say the message matters to me most is because what Catherine the Great represents, that is a, a, um, the integrity of Catherine the Great. I've never wavered from that. Right on. That is, yeah. that will never, I will never sell out. Never, you can't. I can't. Yeah. And I, Personally, I, I can't. Uh, it just would be go against every energetic Agreed. part of, of who I am. Um, and so the mess- I had to get very clear and, and complete my core message before I could do any of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And that matters to me tremendously. And so, so when people be like, Catherine, oh, my gosh, you could have this, you could have this, you could have this. And I was like, I'm so glad you see it. Because yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it will be. And I, and for me, John, I always like years ago when the when the vision first came to me, which was a decade ago. I was like, if Dora the Explorer is on sippy cups, Catherine the Great can be on sippy cups too. Yeah, that's the right. sippy cups weren't the lead. The message had to be the lead. Yes, and then if you compromise your principles or dilute the message, then you become unauthentic, and then all the the vision of the future just doesn't happen. So, yes. you're, so for you, for sticking to. Um, your integrity and and keeping that character real and true is so crucial. Yes, thank to, you. To make it work, so and it might take a little longer, you know, because you want to have it <laughs> yes. all happen now. Yes, but you're doing it the right way, and I think that's thank cool. You. That's great. Thank you. And it has taken time, and the time has been that I needed to learn the lessons. I can't teach authentically and with integrity a lesson that I haven't learned. I full. I had to learn how I'm magical. To teach you about you being magical. Yeah, of course. Right? And to simplify those lessons. And that is my greatest, what you were saying with your friend, that is that is exactly what I do. And when I say about, it's sometimes it's easier to write, write in long form, right? But to, how do you explain to somebody what it feels like to do social comparison in, you know, less than 50 words on two pages, right? And that, <laughs> and so... And who doesn't need this? We need that, too. Oh. Sometimes, you know, we as adults, you know, life is throwing so – we have so many things happening. But if you talk to a child and you simplify something, it's just so – it's it's so simple and, and easy that we overcomplicate our lives often in ways that we don't need to. Yeah. So, I mean, certain things are simply elegant. A lot of my friends – I like that. I don't know if he coined that phrase or that's where I remember hearing it. Because some things are just so pure, so true, so – simple mm-hmm. and and children get it but as adults you're right we complicate things because our mind goes all over the place yeah. where we're and you commented on this in some of the the, um, sh- the notes you share with me how we're worried about the past and anxious about the future and we don't live in the moment it just mm-hmm. gets all of everything all confused yes um i want to go to the part about the the magicalness yeah and so what's your message there how how are we magical that's a great question well I believe that we all have, you know, our, our magic is inside of us. Mm-hmm. Our magic, and for me, that's the magic of manifestation, the magic of, and I teach that through children, and I don't use the word manifestation because that's a big word for, yeah. for children. It's a big word but, for me. <laughs> yeah, but the magic of, um, and she you know, gives her this magic wand, but this concept came to me because a friend gave me a coin that says I am magical, and I sat that on my morning kind of meditation area for years or for you know for months actually, and then it, and then the concept was like this is the direction I need to go, and I ended up putting the coin in a few books later. But you know that your inner magic is this positive, positive energy that you have inside of you that yes. you are capable of doing. Yeah. Of good yes. on this planet. 
and and she can only use her magical wand to do good things. And it's this you know figurative thing that that Catherine the Great gets from Maggie the magical butterfly. But it helps her to be brave. It helps her to try new things. You know, our magic is meeting somebody at school, being aware that somebody at school is sitting all by themselves and looks lonely, and that. Going over there and sitting down and becoming friends with them can, and that they're funny. What a wonderful thing. Now you have a new friend. Right. And so that inner magic that we have that we can put out into the world and do great things and be brave trying, trying new things. Who doesn't need that? How many times even as adults are we like, <sighs> oh, my gosh, I've never done that before and I want to do it. And that we as adults still have there, there's we still have fear, huge, in, fear. right? Huge, and so yeah. that we all have this inner magic. Yes, and I'll never forget when I first, you know, because Catherine the Grape has gone through a few layers because it's taken me a while and different different hurdles I've had to overcome to really stick with the stick this out. But I'll never forget early on this woman emailed me. Her name's Sherry Williamson, and she was she's a, a friend of my mom's, and she lives in the Bay Area. And she sent me an email, and she says, you know, Catherine, I've been reading your book. Um, the magical one to to my granddaughter, and she had, uh, she just lost her husband a little bit earlier um, in that year, and she said, you know, you're reminding me that I still have magic inside of me. Yes, that the mag- and good, I was good. like, yes, oh gosh, Catherine, it, this that's you know those kind of little stories, that's like that's fuel for my soul to just keep going, right. and so I know I'm on my right path. Well, because you're emitting positive energy to other people and then when they respond to you like you say it's fuel back to you which it keeps everything going it's the beauty of win-win relationships this is great and and the funny thing is you're right as an adult we deny ourselves that we have our own inner magic yes you know we're we're fearful yeah you know and we may think maybe we have like a specialness to ourselves but we'll repress it Mm -hmm. we don't want to be different. We don't want to, we want to just conform. Yeah. And we end up denying ourselves just amazing things. True. And um, I agree with that. And I think that it's absolutely natural to still have some fear, oh, right? It's, it's human. And, and, and to go, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of those nervous, I call, wait, I call them nervous bubbles. I'm going to get rid of those nervous bubbles and I'm going to proceed on, right? And yeah. so and so that we can have that we can overcome that. And I think that's so important. There are plenty of things that that I've been like I've never you know, I there are plenty of things that I've been fearful of. Um or had oh my gosh, can I do this? I mean, every time I always I'll be <laughs> I'll be very transparent. Every time before I'm about to do something pretty big, Right before I'm about to release something big, mm-hmm. I have a bit of a breakdown. I, it's like my breakdown before a breakthrough. And it's, I have a friend that I am always able to talk to. She's like used to this pattern with me. But to, it's like I have to break through another layer of yeah. my own being to be brave enough to share. And, and for me, it's more if I don't share this, like even with my Catherine Cloward music, it's very transparent um, about my journey and, and life. But it's more it'd be more crushing for me to not do it than to than to try and not you know succeed or whatever that is in that realm so i always want to encourage people people often go like how do you do what you do i was like i just surrender i just yes. i just yeah. it's a complete surrender it's not yeah. like well, i want to do it but i want to hold on to this piece it's kind of like you got to jump in and right. um and it's going to be scary but no matter what 
it's going to take you someplace different than you are right now. Yeah, that's, that's such a great message. First of all, I love the whole idea of you break down before you break through. Because mm-hmm. I think we all kind of go through that to a certain point because we get right to the, the precipice of the cliff mm-hmm. when we have to make that jump. Yes. And it takes a great deal of courage because you've got to break through. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it, I, I, I've talked about comfort zones and how we kind of get stuck in our own little world. But once you make that decision to break through, unbelievable things come before you and your life can change in so many amazing ways. Yes. But we, we, what we do is we don't surrender, yes. right? We're always holding back. We're fearful. We don't want to let go. But when we take that plunge, amazing things are, are possible. I think it's an awesome message. Awesome. Really Thank you. And I think something really important to share there is, is I often encounter people who want to know it's going to be like, well, once I do, okay, I want to do this thing, but once I do that, how do I know it's going to be what I want? Like what I want, like they want to know, everybody wants to know, wouldn't that be so great if I could say, yes, so when you do this, this is going to be the exact outcome you're going to have. You don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I'll tell you what, and I used to always say this, even in the very beginning of my career, if if you're more scared, if, if what you have right now, if you never try, makes you feel more scared, like, do you want to live without ever trying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if you're okay with that, then keep doing what you're doing. And sadly, some people are. And, that, and that's okay for them. Okay. I'm just okay. saying, like, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah, that's yeah, their yeah. choice, because yeah. that's the thing is, everything does come down to choice. Yeah. Everything. And I know some people don't like that message, you know, because it's because there are things that happen in our life that that happen that we don't have a say in. Right. But we do have a hundred percent say in how we respond, react and and grow from those experiences. And that's our choice. And so, so if somebody, we have to be accountable for our own choices and that's an important thing for our children to learn. I teach about the choice point moments in in Catholic grade and we need to know that as adults too, right? Is Mm -hmm. that, and it's okay for that to be the choice if that's where you're at, if that comfort zone is the place, right? Mm -hmm. But my hope is always that they go, and sometimes people circle back to me. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And even for me, I can go, there have been times where I was like, I'm not ready to do that. I'm just going <laughs> to shove that down over here. I'm going to focus over yeah, here. And yeah, but you know yeah. what? It lingers. And that's exactly what happened with everything I'm doing right now with music. You know, when mm-hmm. I was a little girl, I always dreamed. I always dreamed of writing an album of songs. Well, at that time, it was a, I wanted a tape. <laughs> a, <laughs> cassette, a cassette tape? Yeah. <laughs> date, aging myself. Yeah. But like, you know, I just wanted like a tape that had my name on it mm-hmm. with songs that I wrote. I didn't want to be a performer. I wasn't interested in singing someone else's songs. I had something to say, I wanted to say it, and I wanted to write those songs. But I didn't have this, like, musical background. I just knew that there were these messages. So you knew this at a very young age. I did. That's great. But but I had no encouragement in that because that just wasn't kind of where my – we weren't musical family, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. it just wasn't where we were at. And I had so much doubt. But everybody who's known me for a really long time was like, no, is it, this is – what I'm doing now is Everything I ever, ever, ever wanted to do. But it took me so long to get on this path. And I mean, I even tried when I was like 19. I cut a demo tape. Horrific. It is horrible. (laughs) It's probably in like my memory box that I never want to hear. You know, but, you know, I sent it off to Nashville and, you know, it just nothing. I just didn't believe in myself then. And I certainly didn't have the... 
I didn't have the talent. I And I think talent is something that you kind of, some people have it innate, but also, mm-hmm. you know, for me with singing, I had, I've had to learn. I'm constantly learning. And so I just wasn't ready. And I also hadn't lived enough life to write the songs that I write now. And so years later, which, you know, get me to about seven years ago, here I had kind of proven to myself over and over and over again that if I put my mind to something, like truly set my intention upon it, I could bring it to life. And it didn't mean, you know, lots of hard work, dedication, positivity. That's all the, the attributes my parents taught me. But this was the one thing I always wanted to do. And I, I completely self-doubted. And I didn't do it. And so there was this little cat, this voice inside yeah. of me that would be like, why aren't you? Remember who we are, Catherine? And so one day I was like, I'm doing it. And so Catherine the Grape actually helped me with that because this kind of bringing, you know, illustrated me to life and, and, and learning this whole business, you know, learning the publishing business, going like, hey, I'm going to do this on my own. I do everything else. You know, I'm going to figure this whole thing out. But as I brought these stories to life and wanted to do a Catherine the Grape album, um, which I chickened out on singing lead on. I had somebody else sing lead on, and uh-huh. it bothered me. It bothered me to have somebody else singing lead on songs that I wrote when that's all I ever wanted to do. But I wasn't ready, and I totally chickened out. And that feeling bothered me so much that I was like, never again am I going to not prepare myself for this. And so I was like, I'm ready to do this. And I put my head down, and I just worked. I took lessons. I took guitar lessons. I just, and I manifested into my life somebody to help me with my first album. And, um, and so I did it. And so this little girl in me, I fulfilled that dream of mine. You know, my dream wasn't about being famous. My dream was about completing this project. And so now the dream expands. So I get it when people are scared or that but I know a lot of people have that, and that's why I bring energy to it right now, is that there are people who, go, who have these kind of dormant dreams, these dormant desires that are just inside of them that they don't feel like they can do, whether they may not have the finances or they don't have the time. Those are usually like our main objections mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. to overcome for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And all I always say is just get on the path. Like, I can't tell you – I. I can't tell anybody what the outcome is, but I'll tell you who you're going to become in the process. Yes. And you're going to become more whole and you're going to become more fulfilled and you're going to feel really good about yourself. And that is what the ripple you give to your children so that I can, with integrity, say to my son, like, this is what I always wanted to do, Landon. And... And now I get to do it. So when I get out and sing, you know, Catherine the Grape songs or Catherine Cloward songs, I'm living my dream. What a beautiful thing. It is. And you're right. It's very completing, very fulfilling. There's, you're no longer doubting yourself or worried. You're just doing what is natural. Yes. What you were born to do. Yes. Right? And I had to overcome a lot of doubt. You know, I mean, there are so many great artists just in this town. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, San Diego is so talented. And I, because I'm, because I'm older with some life experience, this was not about anything other than the fulfillment of my own spirit, my own, like Mm -hmm. me, me feeling fulfilled. And so I can look at other, you know, I can look at other people and go, yes. But I'm not comparing my voice to anybody else. I'm not comparing my range to anybody else. I'm not comparing my songwriting to anybody else. I'm just 
I if there's any I am competitive competitive with myself. I'm just like Perfect. how can I yes. how can I get better? Like okay, that song was a little wordy. I need to you know or whatever. Yeah. And so I'm just I'm constantly trying to better myself. And I spent a number of years the past like 4 years just performing, gigging. I did that to learn. Yeah. I learned in the public eye. It wasn't like I was like, I went underground for a few years, learned how to yeah. perform on stage. And then I'm like, here I am in this great stage show. I just like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I just like picked up my guitar and I would start going around town. And that's how all the great artists have done it. <laughs> I mean, the Beatles went to Hamburg and, you know, and they worked it out. And uh -huh. then they, yeah, so you just, you get better by doing. By doing it. Yes. And yeah. so I learned how to perform. Mm -hmm. By performing, I learned, like, and I have to tell you, all the, you know, and everything was inter interwoven. So mm -hmm. as Catherine, the, as I was building Catherine the Grape, I'm learning the Catherine Cloward music, you know, and I'm, I'm doing all this other work out here, but this is what the public was seeing. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, playing at any venue I possibly could play at for my Catherine Cloward music, um, you know, starting out open mics and then, you know, working my way up, playing at the belly up, you know, and having a band and everything. I learned how to do that. I learned, you know, I had to learn how to do all these things. But when I first came out, I realized mm, I need to I need to learn more. I'm not ready to do some of these shows. And so we just I just knuckled down and just we just rehearsed, 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 get out, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And and I always say, like, all of that helps me with Catherine the Grape shows, because I'll tell you what, children will let you know if they don't like you right away. Because <laughs> there's no, you, you, like, you know, if you're out, you can, you know, you, you and I could be talking, having a drink, mm -hmm. they're playing, you know, the band doesn't necessarily know if you're in them or not. You know, we're just all here. Kids yeah. are like, what else do you have? Like, you know, like they will let you know. They'll be like, what other songs are you going to sing? Yeah. I don't like this one. What else do you have? They'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, not maybe that lately but like but close and, yeah. <laughs> so I like, if you can hold the attention of children for like 20 or 30 minutes rock star level you know because, yeah, totally, because totally. they will let you know and so um and i just love it i love getting out so i love performing it's a really fun part aspect of my creative process and yeah. what i get to do and so I perform, you know, Catherine the Grape is an illustrated character, but I come to life for children by being present. You know, yes. I wear my Catherine the Grape, you know, I wear all purple and I am Catherine the Grape. Yeah. So, so then, you just you being you. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I walk into, the, it's really fun. I, <laughs> I walk into the room now and kids are like, Catherine the Grape is here. <laughs> and I'm like, that's me. You know, yeah. and so I just, I, you can see, like, I just get so happy. I just love it. And so it's, it's truly the inner man of, like, inner me coming out. Yes. Right? Yes. And so that's an exciting thing. And so, um, and then on this other side, I make sure that, you know, on the business side of things that we're always looking at new ways of getting it out there into this market. I mean, it's an independent world now. We don't, you know, it's not necessarily, there's only a certain people who are controlling the whole monopoly. We, can, we have an opportunity to be able to get media out into the world and not be under somebody else's kind of restrictions of the message. Fabulous. This is, yeah, this is great. That's a really good transition point. But I was still thinking when you were concluding that about Catherine the Grape and Catherine Clower, the performer, I was thinking of the, the, the Catherine that was seven years old standing in front of her mirror performing, giving a speech in your home. And yes. now it's all come to life. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And that vision, like, you know, I used to just like put on shows for my dolls. 
Okay. Yeah. And so that vision, I, of course, put in my book. You know, like I, I when I was explaining to children in, in one of the Catherine the Great books about what does it feel like to, you know, to burst with excitement and to and the, the whole singer songwriter thing is very much a part of the Catherine the Great yeah. story because that's part of my story. Yeah. But it, it's illustrated. There she is in her room singing to her dolls because that was my reality. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, I think, uh, I think that there is for adults, that's the energy that we need to connect to for ourselves is what did it feel like when you were a child and you were riding your bike in your neighborhood or what did it feel like when you were doing that thing that you felt so free doing for hours and hours and hours that feeling the feeling is what we need to connect back to and and we as adults can experience that in a number of different ways that freedom of of our spirit doing what we love to do and and we talk going and going back to life is busy. We have responsibilities, right? There's mm-hmm. electricity that needs to get turned on. Gas needs to go in the car. Phones need to get paid for. So we have responsibilities as adults. But we also have a responsibility to ourselves to make sure that we are feeding all the parts of who we are to have a full life. And part of that is, is the joyfulness of life. Of being ourselves. And mm. that also is the connecting back to that energy and the spirit of who we were as children. So your mind is like a matrix and it's all <laughs> it connected. Is. It is. It's true, you know, because we tend to compartmentalize a lot of parts of our life. Mm-hmm. This goes back to the whole thing like men's brains are like waffles and women's are like spaghetti. I just saw that the other day somewhere. <laughs> but really, um, it's a combination of the two because all those little waffle zones, you know, they kind of mix with each other. And when I found that when I can blend those different groups of categories of my life, that's when special things happen. Yes. Right. Because we end up bringing our personal self into our business or, you know, we, we merge different essences of ourselves mm-hmm. and then we come truly magical. Absolutely. Yeah, isn't it great? Absolutely. And we need all of us. You know, we need to be, um, you know, I was raised very female empowered. And what I mean by that was, is my mom was very much um, instilled in me, kind of wanted me to have all the opportunities she didn't have. And so I was very like, hear me, you know, right. (laughs) But God gifted me with a son. And so here I am seeing life through a little boy's eyes in a way that I didn't see it as a child because I was always looking up to the boys, right? I was always wanting to Mm. prove that I could do anything they could do, right? So now I'm looking through the eyes of a little boy in 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 the heart of my heart just in a time where some of those things that I felt years ago are kind of the message that's out there. And I'm going, gosh, we really need to be mindful of the messages we're putting out there. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because... Um, because, you know, my son could never wear a shirt that says boys rule, boys of the future, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I'm all about empowering everybody. So we need our men to feel that they have a voice just as much as our women need to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Our boys need to have a voice just as much as our girls. How are we going to change anything if we're so adamant about pushing our girls forward? It needs to be together. We can't have our boys going mute 
that they feel like they can't have a voice if we're really pushing our girls. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. It's, it's a major thing for me right now because I'm watching it. And also because my my son put voice to it like five years ago when he was younger. He's mm-hmm. like, I wrote, I wrote a whole piece about it. But he asked me one day, Mama, do you think adults talk differently to little um, little boys than they do to little girls? And I was like, well, what do you mean? With their, with their tone? And he said, yeah. Like sometimes they speak sweetly to little girls and they speak harsh, like mean to boys or whatever. I can't remember the word he used. And what an interesting thing for a child to say, to observe, right? Um, And fortunately, my son has had so many wonderful male teachers. Like he, you know, and so he's, he's, and I'm, I'm only saying this, like he's, he's been able to be immersed in the education system with female teachers, male teachers. He's got this mom who's like kind of living a really untraditional life. And, um, but but this matters to me. That's why Catherine the Grape isn't just for little girls. A few years ago, somebody was like, well, you should really just be marketing Catherine the Grape to little girls. Like, you need to really focus on little girls. And I was like, I will never do that. I will never, because she's for everybody. And little boys can be inspired by little girl characters. You know, like, there doesn't have to be, like, that would just cut off half the population. Why would I ever do that? Right. And ironically enough, a lot of little boys love Catherine the Grape. So I'm like, see? Right. So, I'm just really mm-hmm. passionate about us being more mindful about the way that we share things, right? Like the other day on Facebook, so now you're getting me on the soapbox. It's really, I'm passionate <laughs> yeah, about. This is good. The other day on Facebook, I saw one of those memes that go out because, you know, I'm on there like yeah. marketing and stuff and I'm on there. And um, there was this, this post that kind of got reshared a little bit that was like, uh, and okay, I'm just going to say it. So there was this post that says, you know, I'm not raising, when you're raising your son, remember you're raising somebody's husband, somebody's, you know, it was kind of went through these, like, these roles of, like, so the father, the, the fa- boss. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Well, they were saying, like, the father, the husband, you know, make sure you raise him well. And I was yeah. like, and so, of course, people were like, I know, right? But then I saw it from a different vantage point. I was like, if we put anything out that said, remember, you're raising your daughter to be someone's wife, someone's mother, like, yeah. Women would lose it. And quite frankly, I would have lost it years ago. Yeah. Okay. And so the why I bring light to that is we are our men need I I, I don't know, it's just it's interesting how I've shifted. I've kind of equalized here. Yeah, it's okay. But we have to be very aware of the message that we're putting out because if women if women want to have an equal voice we can't swing all the way over here and only only expect our men to be a certain way and our boys to get in line it has to be mindfully balanced so instead hey you're raising your child to be someone's parent mm-hmm. someone's partner right. someone's yeah. boss yeah it, Let's equalize the message. And, I, and so if we, if we don't want the divide 20 years down the line, the message has to start equal with our children. Hence, why do what I do, too? Right on. I mean, because what you're trying to <laughs> I'm do. I'm passionate about this subject. You are. And I love this because you, you don't want to just lift up girls. Right. Right. You want to lift up everybody. Yes. Right. And, yes. and that's kind of that's a great message. Yes. Because um, the again, the things that those those. Um, for, forgive me, the seven book series, the mm-hmm. affirmations, affirmations, that was the word. Mm-hmm. Those are timeless principles that apply to everybody. Yes. It's not a, just a exclusively one gender message. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, stick to it. Stick to your integrity, <laughs> you know? You know, and I want that love for everybody, yeah. you know? And, and I can say this with transparency because 
um, because in my younger years, you know, I was very, I was, um, I was very successful very early, and I was married. And I, I know uh, my husband. You know, we have you can have hindsight twenty twenty, right? But there was a time when we were, um, you know, we both kind of we're not, obviously not married anymore. We co-parent our son very well. But what he one time said something to me that still sticks with me. He said, you know, Catherine, I just always felt like I was a few steps behind you, right? And I, and I'm sure there were many ways that I, I didn't help him feel manly in the home. I, I, meaning, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't honor his role in the same ways that I didn't feel like my role was being honored in a way that I wasn't such a traditional woman. You know, I was, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and I think a lot of my female empowerment stuff, because I he knows he's known me. My ex husband has known me since I was in junior high, and he'll tell you one of the first things he ever heard me say was like, "No man's gonna ever control me." Like that's how I used to, <laughs> you know. That comes from like some deep rooted stuff we don't have to get into. But, but that's how I was, well, right? That, that, and that was, and so that is really how life. That. That's how I was. That's how I felt. Now, mind you, I am a very soft, passionate like tender woman but I also some of the stuff that I've been through made me be a really fierce warrior too yeah and so I bring this to light because I can look back at a period of my life and go in what ways was my need to be so empowered that I made him feel like he didn't have a voice Mm. Now, I don't have to go over what I needed from him. That's not this. That I don't would never put energy on that. I can only improve myself. So now when I find myself, uh, I, I choose to. I'm aware of that about myself. And I want to make sure that. Other women, perhaps, are making sure that their need to be super empowered with their partner, that their partner feels they have a voice to. Whether that partner is male or female, you know. But if that, they're partners, right? Right. Then, you know, it's kind of a co-equal kind of situation, <laughs> right, right? Right. Where there's mutual love, mutual respect, mutual right. empowerment. Yes. Right? That is that is the beautiful joy of partnership for sure. Yeah. 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 The old, the old traditional roles, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, we're evolving as a society. We are. And I love, you know, I love, I know so many amazing men who are who are at home raising the children as the women are out working and all the and and vice versa so every family unit whatever works for your family right what a beautiful thing right right not, and, er, not everybody is the leave it to beaver family right no so, no and yeah. plenty of households who mm-hmm. you know that gosh you know grandparents you know grandparents more and more yeah. are involved what a beautiful thing yeah you know, it's, it's a great impo- thing it's important it, well, it used to be like that, you know, 100, 150 years ago. We had three generations in the home. Yes. You know? So, um, and it, that's important too. It you know, is that we that we take care of our of our aging yeah. community, of our parents. That you know that somewhere we got sold this message that success comes and everybody living their own little boxes, right? But then we've got an elderly community who's lonely. Yeah. And. Uh, and as we're chasing so many things, we're leaving some people out. Mm. And and what a beautiful thing to bring that community, that tribal. We, we, we talk about our tribe. I hear lots of people say, like, this is my tribe. But that should also make sure we're including our parents and our grandparents part yeah. of that tribe, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because they raised us. That's right. Yeah. They're part of what made us who we are. Absolutely. This is unbelievable. And like I told you, like when I saw all your stuff, I was like, there's a million ways we can go. Um, can we sh- shift gears a little? Sure. Is that all right? And let's talk about your role as an entrepreneur, as a business person. And, you know, we touched on a little bit of it already, uh-huh. but um, you've got a great story to tell there, too. I mean, you had built a multi-million dollar company. And, you know, like all of us, we went through our challenges during the Great Recession and you've transformed <laughs> your business into something else. I, I love to hear that story. Sure. Because I think this could be a fun one. Yes. Okay. Um, Well, you know, I I guess I kind of need to go back to when I started college. You know, Mm -hmm. I I, um, my parents, they didn't have money to send us to college. We knew that. We always knew that. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like just kind of like what it was. And I'm the youngest child. So I observed how everybody else did it. And um, but I also knew that getting a college education was important for me. So I. I went to Grossmont College, a community college, for two years, and then I went over to SDSU. I graduated from San Diego State. I paid for my own college by waiting tables. Wow. Um, and I also lived at home quite a bit of that. I lived out on my own, you know, had fun, and I was like, Mom, Dad, I got to come back. But, <laughs> yeah. but I always had a really great relationship with yeah. my parents because my experience of home often was just my parents and I, you know, other, you know, me, Um, you know, my oldest brother, his experience of home was everybody at home. But my greater experience was just, you know, my parents and me. Because you were the youngest. I was the youngest. So I was there the Mm -hmm. longest. So I bring that up is that I made different choices instead of going like there was a part in my life where I was like, well, I don't want to have any debt with college and I can live at home and I can work. So I graduated without any debt, which is that's really? awesome. <laughs> I was just talking to my daughter about that. I'm like some people with six figures of debt right now yes. and people are burdened. Yes. But there's a there's a smart way to go about it if you have a strategy, right? Yes. And you did. You had a strategy. Yeah, and I had a, a great home life. I got along with my parents really well. So it wasn't like you know, some people are like, I gotta get out or they feel like they have to get out. I didn't feel that way. Um and so uh but but during that time, I, I think I shared this with you a little bit, but during that time, when I was 18 years old, my first semester in college, I'm like, I got my own schedule. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. I'm waitressing on the weekends, making yeah, bank. Yeah. And um, my dad got laid off from his job. Oh. And so my, my parents didn't, don't have a college education. My dad raised our whole family on you know, in an insurance underwriter salary. Yeah. And he got laid off. They, you know, he was kind of like aged out, I guess you could say, yeah, you know, yeah. the you corporate know that, world can be brutal. Right. Yeah. So I observed my dad for about nine months of his life. He was out of work. And, um, okay. And so that was also during the time where the 24 hour news cycle was just starting and the Waco David Crush thing was going on. Do you oh, remember that? So this yeah, was, that was like just, in the nineties. It was. I'm yeah. just basically telling you my age right now. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have used the number. Like, no, 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 no. I, I mean, you could Google it. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, this was um, the fall of, what, 92. Okay, so I was 18. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm 45, so I don't have any. I'm, I'm happy to say my age. I'm, you know, I'll just say it. So anyways, and so why this is an important story to, to share is that I watched my dad. You know, he wasn't like a Eeyore, super depressed or anything, but I watched my dad really kind of, um, he just watched news all day long. He was very aware of what was going on in the news, you know, but I watched him in that time and I remember seeing his vitality kind of, you know, lower. He wasn't, he was, he was clearly depressed on some level, but not, but he was still like, Hey, you know, but why this was important for me to observe is because at a very early age, I saw that at any given time, a company can say, check you later. 
That's right. And I don't know why I just did that snapping thing. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> it works. <laughs> but but this was an interesting thing for me to watch. And I was like, I never want to be that. I never want to have somebody else. I, I just, I, I, that I think was where the entrepreneurial thing came into me was that I want to have more, um, I want to make sure that I have the skills to keep myself afloat. I don't know how to, any other way than that. Oh, no, yeah, I get and, it. Um, and, but also when I was younger, we, now segue back here, when we were younger, you know, we didn't have extra money. Like if there was something we wanted to do, we would do, we'd work for it. And so as I shared, you know, my parents were, because everything connects, right? Yeah. So my parents were very involved in Boy Scouting with Father Joe. Father Joe's, you know, he's very known in San Diego for homelessness and yeah. helping the homeless. Yeah. But what, and what I'm sharing a lot of in my book with him is that his heart is for the youth, he spent that's what a lot of people don't necessarily know is that so much of his 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 uh, priesthood and his life it, you know it has been with youth youth groups and the boy scouts yeah he was a boy scout himself and so anyways so if my brothers were going to go on these trips for the boy scouts and my dad we needed to earn the money so we would do these hot dog and pepsi stands outside of like there used to be a sears and hillcrest right and so we'd do these hot dog and pepsi stands this is long before price club was doing their food court thing right, right? and so this was father joe's brainchild that mm-hmm. and so that's how we earned the money to go on these trips my brothers so and i wasn't going on on the trip, but I was there helping my family, right? Okay, okay. And so I learned from a very early age, if you want you want to do something, you've got to earn it. Okay? Or you want something, you have to earn it. We didn't have, it wasn't like, my parents never spent money on a credit card. If my mom, until uh, this day, she probably would still do it if it was a thing. Like, she had money in envelopes. Like, this is all I have to spend on food and whatnot. So, um, Good discipline right there. I <laughs> she like is that. Very discipline. Yeah. But my point of telling that story is that kind of like from this early age of, you know, we've got to earn it. And then I watched my dad, you know, and then he uh, laid off. And then he eventually did get this wonderful job at Golden Eagle Insurance um, through a friend, and he retired from them years later. And so that's why I always loved. Waitressing, well, I think they call it food serving now, was because I could pick up a shift and make more money. So I, I always felt like waitressing was such an entrepreneurial thing for me to do because yes. because I also, it wasn't that somebody was paying me an hour, all I was going to get was this hourly pay. I learned that, hey, if I do a great job, if I keep their water filled, if I'm attentive, I'm friendly, I make more money on tips yeah. Possibly, yeah, right, and, I, and so I got really good at that job, mm-hmm. and I was—I love it. I always like I would do that any day. I, I loved that job, and that's how I learned how to like talk to people and interact. Yeah. And so when I started my career out of college, I went and worked at Club Med, and I performed, and that was super fun. And lived in New Zealand for a year, and then I finally oh, wow. was like, cool. "Hey, I gotta nice. get my career going." Yeah. But the choice that I made was uh, my first career job was working on a hundred percent commission. For a corporate sales recruiting firm. Mm-hmm. And I loved the uncapped, unlimited potential of it. And uh, mind you, you either going to, you could make this or you could make this. And uh, there's these sales awards on the wall that I was seeing all these other people were achieving. I was like, well, somebody's, somebody's figuring it out. I'm going to do that too. And that's what I did. And so I just put my head down. And that's when a lot of the mindset stuff started really sinking in for me. You know, my dad would give me the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, when I was, yeah. when that time, you know, when he was going through that, when he was, I was 18. And so this concept of like, 
wow, my thoughts really do greatly contribute to how I organize myself on this planet and oh, in my huge, life. Huge, right? huge. And I learned that very early. And so sales was a, you know, really at the end of the day is just finding a solution for somebody. It's a consultant. You're helping yep. them out, right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It's a relationship. You know, yeah. no one's going to do business with you if they don't like you. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that business and I took me a long time to ramp up to make my first commission check, like a long time. I, I worked for nine months before I made my first commission check and I would work, I'd waitress on the weekends to, to pay my bills. And um, we had, it was called a draw versus commission. Do you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like what I would explain to my friends. I'd be like, wait, so if you don't make your commission, you like owe the company money. I was like, yeah. 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 yeah they're kind of fronting <laughs> you future commissions. Right. Yeah. Uh, which quite frankly is exactly how the music business works. When mm-hmm. you get signed to a label. So I get this part of the business, yeah. right? Uh-huh. I get that. That's why I'm like, I don't want to do that with them. So anyways, um, so this concept of, hey, if I just figure out this business, I can be successful at it. And I eventually did figure that out. And I learned how, you know, we we cold called and we had no warm leads, right? So like mm. we, we were the we were the kind of tester office. We were the last place office. They just kind of put us in place to go, but we're not going to give you any of the warm leads that everybody else has. You guys just have to figure it out. So we had to figure it out by cold calling. This is like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Here we go. You Seriously. Know? Like, you know? so, like it was like, and here's the better part. Here's yeah. the really great part, John. And this, this office, we were we shared an office. Like, let's imagine behind this curtain, yeah. there's another office. So mm-hmm. here's my office. We were the last place team. We had no warm leads. We were getting no sales. Mm-hmm. Okay? But we were raw, raw every day learning this. But that, that office over there was the number one branch in the entire company. So they were throwing up sales every day. And we were just like, we weren't getting it. Right? But I was like, if they're doing it, but in my mind, I'm like... If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, you know? good for you. And so, um, and so, and there was this like, why, why are we? You know, how can we get this? How can I get this? And eventually, all the pieces, the cog in the wheel, just clicked, and it just started going for me. Nice. And I had a great first sales manager. I'm still good friends with her. Her name's Jennifer Pinert, and mm-hmm. she believed in me. And I can't tell you in different parts of my life, I've had. That one person who's believed in me, and I can't, that is massive for anybody to have somebody behind you going, you can do this. I see your potential. I know you can do this. Her belief in me, just like I can name a bunch of other people through the last few decades who have believed in me, that's just like, I can do this. And I eventually was very successful with that. And um, I bought my first house when I was like 26 years old. And you know, I was really proud of that. That's, but, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that good, was in good San Diego you. where you could buy a house for like $280,000 yeah. at that time, right? Four bedroom, two bath, a, yeah. a, a, um, a pool. But the thing was is, um, and I, but it was weird because a lot of my friends weren't, like it was just a weird thing because nobody else was buying houses at that time and whatever. I was just, you know, I just focused on work. Yeah. And, um, but I eventually didn't like having people being my product. And mm. so I went and worked for one of my clients who was a food marketing company just how I know Jennifer Klein. Aha. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> See everything good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jennifer Klein and I worked at the same food uh, and they were my client. I had cold called into that uh-huh. their, that company. It was a food marketing company. I cold called into them and my very first client that I ever the very first prospect that I ever said no to, Tracy Kamada, she was the VP of sales. She said I pitched her and she goes, "Okay, well, cuz they had a VP of sales, or excuse me, they had a sales manager position they were looking to fill." So I called her, cold called her, and she said, 
are you negotiable on your fee? And the first time I ever said, no, I'm not. Ah. She said, all right, I want to see you. I got the meeting because I said, no, I would not negotiate with her. Integrity. Right. So I went, I went, she wanted to hire me. (laughs) So she's like, I need salespeople like you, Catherine. I was like, no, I'm not interested, you know, because my career was rising. Well, sure enough, they became my client, closed a lot of deals with them. And, and then a few years later when I was looking relationships, relationships, everything. So a few years later when I was like, you know, I want to get out of the recruiting business, I went and worked there. But Tracy didn't have any openings in her division, which is where Jennifer was. I went and worked for the nonprofit division. And so the, I worked with nonprofit agencies, their food, you know, food agencies, like food, all the, you know, now it's called, um, was Harvest America at the time, all the food banks and whatnot okay. and all the feeding programs that, uh-huh. and I say feeding like, um, you know, food boxes where you take them home. Now, now it's actually a thing a lot of people do. Right. I, I bring light to this because um, during that time, um, uh, and then I eventually, and I grew that division quite quite well. Again, mm-hmm. I had to learn another segment, but I knew how to cold call. So I would just cold call and I would just call clients. I had this one client, his name's Bill Askins. He was my customer, and he never bought from me for like eight, nine months, maybe a little bit less, six or seven months. But John, I called him almost every day pitching him on product, and he was was this lovely (laughs) man from Alabama, and he and I just became, we became friendly because he was just so nice to me. He wouldn't hang up the phone. He's like, here she is again, calling again, you know? And so, um, and then when he had a deal for me, when he's like, I need this, this is what I need from you. Can you make this happen? And we got our first deal, then poof, you know, blew up. And um, Mm -hmm. it started from there. And so, but what happened for me uh, was eventually I worked for them for three years. We grew this major client. And um, and then they started cutting commissions. So the next year they cut commissions. And oh. you know, you don't take you know from high from high producing sales reps. You don't like cut commissions. No, not at all. Like that's like the most demotivating thing. <laughs> exactly. Ever. So this really bothered me. And it, and and Bill had been saying you should go out on your own. You should go out on your own. So there were some other things happening in the company. So I was like, I'm going out on my own. And so I started my own food company in January what 2005. And I borrowed. $10,000 from my own savings account and that I had earned and I seeded my company with that. And then I just, and I, I was in direct competition with my previous company. Um, and I, but I, every person I called, every client I called, cause I was only selling at that time. Now I'm doing both. I'm buying and selling. So I'm doing all aspects and logistics, but any client I had or that I had previously, I said, I just want the opportunity to still be able to pitch you product. If I, if I can't, if I can't provide you anything, you're not going to buy from me, right? And right. so, um, so anyways, I but I put my head down, and we had some. I had some prospects that I could fill, and so slowly I grew that. And Bill helped me. He helped me grow that company. He had his own company. I had my own company. But for the first few deals that I needed more equity, I needed more capital than I had in my you know yeah. my little ten thousand dollar account. Yeah, it was shoestring. So, yeah. Yeah. So Bill funded my first number of deals. Until I until I grew and he was uh, and we would share deals. So, so he I, would like give you cash up front for big orders yep. so that you can go and buy the product. Yeah. So why always. Yes. So I would. Um, 
So, for example, let's say I would find a product, and a lot of deals he and I did. So he um, he would it might be his client, like he would sell to the client, and I would get the product, and then he and I would split a deal fifty fifty. Mm. And this is such a big thing. We did millions of dollars of business together and never had a contract ever. We wow. we, we just did lady and gentleman agreement we just we trusted each other and i'd proven to him that i was trustworthy and he and um and i hunted for the business i'm a great cold caller so i would just hunt like and so i'd bring the business in you know we'd know what we need to buy it for so then i'd buy it we'd ship it and sell it and so we were selling you know massive amounts of food and it was really great and um, and then, as you kind of alluded to, and this was all a very interesting time because my company was doing, you know, I was a solopreneur doing multi-million dollars worth of sales every every year. You know, it was just, uh, and I loved it. But, you know, as the 2008, you know, recession hit. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, I, my segment was nonprofit agencies. So when there's a recession... What's one thing that goes out of everyone's budget? Yeah, charity. They're not, they're yeah. not donating, yeah. right? So I had some clients that were slowly going under. And as a solopreneur, somebody sticking you know, a $27,000 invoice on my company isn't like some XYZ company. It's like, that's my son's like yeah. potential <laughs> college money. You yeah, know? exactly. So there was just kind of this ripple effect that was happening with all of that. Yes. And at the same time, this massive client we had that I did a lot of business with Bill, they were doing – they were, um, you know, a well-known Christian organization that unfortunately that, – that the core of their business was this beautiful thing. But they had grown so big that unfortunately um, they were making some decisions that weren't legal. Uh, and, I mean, it's all over the news. Yeah. And so um, – but there came a point they, – they thought they were above it. And eventually I was like, we got to, I got to get out of this. I can't, I, you know, I can't be a part of this. And, and Bill knew too. And so, um, and so this client, why I say that is, it was like all the powers that be were kind of showing me, this isn't for you anymore, Catherine. But I didn't know what else to do because, you know, there was a lot of, I had a lot of responsibilities and at the same time there was just a lot happening. And so I had three clients all go under within this kind of like nine p- month period. I had to pull out of working with them. So my income with that just plummeted yeah. Oh, yeah. and, um, and I had to close the company pretty dramatic. I had just, I had to close it. And, um, and that was a challenge for me because here's the deal is I felt, I felt like a, f- I felt like a failure in ways because I didn't keep it going. And one of my friends was like, Catherine, but you like you <laughs> you grew this to be incredible. And then instead of sticking in there and waiting till they actually got, you know, I, I pulled out at an appropriate time. But I had to, you know, I had to bankrupt that company, you know, and ironically enough. Um, because I had at that time, I had about forty thousand dollars. This person left me with twenty seven. There was, you know, a lawyer's fee that I had to pay. This person was going. This client was going out at seventeen. This person was. All of a sudden, everybody was just sticking me with these bills. Yeah. And I remember um, something my business attorney had said. This is the first time I've ever shared this story. This is what my business attorney had said to me years before when I was setting up an S-Corp. She said, you know, Catherine, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> he literally used this example. He goes, Donald Trump, you know, all of his companies, you know, he doesn't, you know, he borrows other people's money and then it's not his own 
personal finances, that's why you need to have an S corp so that it's not like you know, you know if, if your client ever sticks to you, the, the the vendor can't come after your own. Right. resources. Mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness, you know, when all these companies were going under and sticking me with, you know, basically getting their product and then not paying mm-hmm. and then saying they don't have, they don't have money. Right. But then one of them opened up six months later with a different name. Yeah. Right. So, um, right. but, but I, I remember I sat in a lawyer's office and I was bawling. I was like, I got my lawyer. Yeah, I was yeah, just like yeah. really broken up about this. But this here's the solution, a legal solution that was for me. And and so I, I, he had all my numbers, right, all my banking. And he says, you know, Catherine, and I was crying. And he goes, Catherine, I can see that this is really a big deal for you. Yeah. You know, and um, he goes, but you're talking about like $40,000 that you're writing off here. <sighs> it's not really anything. He goes, companies go under with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is like, but I'm sure you're never going to be here again. And I said, I never will. And he goes, and you, and you didn't, this wasn't your decisions that made this happen. No. no. So he gave me this little count, but why bring the story to light now is because I, there were a number of years where I couldn't share that because I still carried around like it ended in not such a great way. But you know what? It needed to end. I, it probably needed to end. You know, I was holding on into 2010, right? I should have probably been like, I'm out, you know, <laughs> well before. But the the redemption of this story is that I didn't stop being an entrepreneur. I, I, at that time, I was deciding that's when Catherine the Grape was coming to life. And so I took these kind of seeds of my of my experience and put them over here. And now, now with my creativity and my business experience, I'm doing a whole different, I'm no longer selling somebody else's product. I'm no longer representing somebody else's service. I have created a media company on the backbone of my own creativity and I help other people share theirs too. So the redemption of the, of the, of, and I don't know if redemption is the right word, but that I picked myself up and went back, you know, I went, carried on and it's been the most beautiful um, revelation of my true character and my true essence so often we do need things to crumble so that we could rise back up which is ultimately my phoenix rising song right you it has to get burned down and then from that same energy we rise up in in a beautiful glorious light we have to break down before we break through that's right. Here we are. Yeah, but you know that that was such a tough time, and things happened that weren't within your control. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, a lot of people suffered. I went through difficult moments as well. Um, but imagine if that recession didn't happen, and you were continuing to build that company, and that would have been wonderful. But you never would have been who you are now, right? If it wasn't for that. Right. So I, 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 yeah, and I, I know when you go through and you build a company, you, it's, it's your baby. It's, it's personal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I'm just so happy that you've come out of this so successfully. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's Thank a, you. And I had to, re, I had to literally rebuild, you know, and, yeah. um, and I always want to encourage people. So anybody listening, you know, that, that giving yourself time, you know, to, you can't, like I always use the garden metaphor, you know, when you're planting seeds, you've got to cultivate that ground. You've got to, you know, tend to the soil. So, you know, we see in the parks these big oak trees. 
but they had to be a seed at first. Oh, yeah. And it took time to grow. Yes. And we're like that, you know, that for us to grow into the harvest of our lives, we often sometimes, you know, branches need to be cut down. We might even need to, you know, get cut down. And so, you know, that, but that, that we have everything we need. We just have to believe in ourselves and, and be willing to put the time and the work in. And so all that experience led me to go, I want to keep going. And even in the past decade, I've had some real interesting things happen where I'm like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep yeah. going. You know, and, and I also know at any given time I can go work for somebody else. Yeah. So, you could always so, do that. Right. And so a few years back, you know, every time I'd have these breakdowns, this is what would happen. Like, let me give you, let me give you, <laughs> I would have these breakdowns and I'd be like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I mean, it'd be like a complete, it would be a complete throw it all out. Like, I'm not doing any of this anymore. I can't do this. I don't want to be this vulnerable. I don't, I can't do this. It was everything. I was like, I'm going to go, like, I don't know what I'm going to go do. I'm going to like, it was like a complete, and then, all right. <laughs> right, 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 right. And yeah. I'm being vulnerable to share that because, like, yes, like we all have those moments of extreme oh, self doubt all the time. So for me, so yeah. my breakdown usually was everything, yeah. and then I was like, "All right, I'm back. I just needed to pull myself together a little bit. Yeah. I might need to go to Sedona, go to the beach, <laughs> talk to a friend. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's all part of that therapeutic process. Right. You kind of work your way through it. That is amazing. So now you're you're an author. You know, we've talked about that. We've talked about your as a musician and you kind of have sort of two parallel tracks going there. So what are the other things, the other projects you're working on? Right. Um, well, within that music space, so um, within that space, my company owns all the media of that. So um, obviously there, you know, the, the music business isn't... Um, the greater depth is what you can do with with that create with that artistry that isn't necessarily performing, right? right. The performing part of it is um, is a uh, is just one aspect. So um, we do we're working on a lot of licensing stuff right now, taking Catherine the Grape to the next level. We're um, looking at um, pitching for some shows right now. I absolutely believe Catherine the Grape is going to be you know a television show sooner than later. Very mm-hmm. much like kind of that like Sesame Street meets you know Mr. Rogers. So there's mm-hmm. there's a plan for Catherine the Grape. Um, I also work with other artists. So I have other artists like Jennifer Klein, like who you know where. As other independent artists that have a similar message than, to mine, you know, like I have to obviously stay within my um, my heart centered media, um, and that you know Jennifer Klein's a businesswoman herself, and so our energy aligns, and so I help, you know, I know how to market and know how to get it out there, and we've been very successful with her this year on the label. You know, she's played to venues, she's, you know, she hadn't played at before. You know, my um, I'm a voting member of the Academy, you know, the Academy Awards, the Grammys, um, and that also allows me to submit. I was able to get her onto the ballot. Um, onto the first round ballot of the wow, Grammys, right on. just like I was able to get um, mm. a song that we produced last year. I'm in the process right now. Um, there's a young girl by the name of Michelle Hopkins. She's 15 years old. Whoa. She has um, MPS, which is a rare disease. It's an incurable rare disease. 
and um, through a friend of through a friend, I was introduced to Michelle's family. And last year, I did some work with the National MPS Society, and I wrote a song called "Heroes." Um, the core of that song, and then my band came in and helped write the layers of the music for. Um, and that song's purpose is to help raise awareness and support for National MPS Society. And we've done a lot of work with getting that message out. And Michelle's performed with us. And when I met Michelle, she lives in Long Beach, but when I met Michelle, um, I asked her if she wanted to sing lead on the song. Like I didn't have, that wasn't the plan. Yeah. I just was like, do you want to sing lead? And she's like, yeah. And so she sang lead on the song. We shot a music video. Her parents helped out with that. And so we've been able to have this visual display of, of this you know, super empowered young girl just being like, I'm a hero and I'm here to help be an advocate for MPS and so, and for rare diseases. And so I just, um, and I'm helping her build that platform in cooperation with her parents. So Michelle's on my label now too. I just wrote an album of So songs. you have your own label? Yeah. Yep. I, so, I missed that earlier. <laughs> so, this is, this so, is awesome. Okay. Yeah, so Candon Unlimited is basically, like my company's Candon Unlimited. Candon is Catherine and Landon. That's my son's name. Uh, so Catherine. So it's all purples, Catherine, and then the heart in the center is red because my son has red hair. And okay. so my, my crimson heart is what I've always called him. So you, when you see the red heart on everything I do. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's an indie label. You know, it's, I mean, if if you... Well, so I have the publishing aspect of everything I do, which is the book publishing yeah. and the book mark, the book um, and the music publishing, and then also the the label is the production side of all of the music, and so all of that's under my my umbrella company, which is Candon Unlimited, and so I'm doing it for myself. I might as well do it for other people. And this, so that's, this is awesome. No, so I, <laughs> so I figure I, I'm figuring out the music business yeah. while I'm actively in it. So we're not anywhere that uh, you know the. No, the difference is is these massive labels have, and just like the massive book publishing arms, they have more marketing research. Yeah, of course, re, uh, reach. Sorry, mm-hmm. right? Because they're more established, but they're not any place that we're not able to be. We're there. And so the difference is, is that we own our media. And so that gives us the opportunity for yeah. if there, you know, the day comes that we can negotiate, you know, we negotiate for our own media. I don't have somebody in between me. I don't need somebody else to represent something that I created. Right. Not at this point. Right. So these, these and, are, I don't, and I don't want to sell out. So like even like with Catherine, the great books, they're all published under my own company. I independently published them because I didn't want to give the rights to Catherine, the Grape to somebody else. Right. Somebody would have kicked her to the curb nine years ago. Yeah. And um, and that was a piece of advice somebody gave me. Catherine, mm-hmm. you should do this on your own. And once I researched it, I was like, yeah, because my vision for Catherine, the Grape has always been expansive. And so um, I wouldn't have had the sales. I wouldn't have had the, uh, any yeah. publisher would have said, see you later. Yeah. And we own her. So we're going to do something different with her. Right. right? Um, and so the my brain thinks in the expansiveness of it. And so, you know, we figured out the, mu- you know, we're figuring out the music industry and um, and we're in it. We're in it. You know, we're voting members of the Academy. We're getting on the ballot. And. So we're we're playing, and I'm not looking to grow this, you know, this. Hey, let's get everybody we can. I just want to dig in deep with people that that 
work with well with me. And and we're doing really great things. And my purpose, again, is about the message. Just like, you know, you met Jennifer Klein. She has a really beautiful message of love and community to share with the world. Yes, she does. And I know her. You know, I met her all those years ago. We were working together. Uh-huh. And she is a hardworking woman. She's very much like me. And in some ways, like, you know, we both have... It can be misunderstood, right? And so I see her and she sees me. So who else would you want to work? There's nobody else I'd want to work with so dearly. And so the same thing with Michelle. I get her. Mm -hmm. She gets me. So we work together and I love her parents and they, you know, and so everything that we do is about helping, helping share messages and building platforms. And so I believe wholeheartedly that, Catherine the Grape is going to be a worldwide household name one day. I wholeheartedly want Jennifer's music to be out in the world, just like I want my music to be out in the world in the hands and hearts of other people. And we're doing everything in our power to do that with the highest level of integrity. This is just unbelievable. This is so great. (laughs) But I was just reflecting on the challenge that your father went through when he was laid off. Mm -hmm. And you said you didn't ever want to be in that position. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that drove that's one of the reasons why you wanted to own the rights to Catherine the Grape mm-hmm. because you didn't want some someone else like you say kicking her to the curb you wanted to be in control of your own destiny to the greatest possible extent you could right yes and to back up that isn't how i like got into it at first i didn't i didn't have that wisdom until i actually got into the business you and kind what of i mean by that figuring it out as you go yes and so um, and that's what I often teach people or, or try and instill in people is is often people want to go like, I want to know, OK, what's the system? How are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah. And they want to know step by step by step by step. But I'm always like, get on the road. Right. Like, just just start. Yeah. Because it'll reveal itself yes. as you go. Yes, that's very if, true. So if I and so in the beginning, when I first got into the publishing, I of course was looking for a publisher. I was like, oh, you know, and who wants? Nobody wants. And here's the thing: this is the truth. Nobody really wants to do children's books because they're expensive. They're very expensive. You know, they're full color. They're and, not black and white. You know, uh, they're expensive. Yeah, and or they're more expensive. I should say, or they cost more. And so um, I was just, you know, of course, doing what I do. Like hunting down information. And I was at a women's conference. Yay for conferences that help each other. So yeah. this happens to be all women at this particular conference. And the, the um, keynote speaker, she had just published a book. And I was a session speaker at this one. So I had met her behind the scenes. And I said, hey, can I ask you? And so I did what... All you know, all aspiring writers do. How did you get published? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. She said, she said that she worked with an independent publishing company, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, Catherine, you're a businesswoman. Why wouldn't you publish on your own, on, independently? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't even. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what that means. Right. And she said, no one's going to. Mar-, and she said to me, I'll never forget. Her name was Maria Bailey. She said, no one's ever going to market your book better than you are. And I was like, okay, but whatever. And so I just, but I banked that piece of advice in my brain while I kind of started looking. And um, as I figured, and I sent out a few query letters, like six, that's like nothing, you know, and I got one no back and I pulled that piece of advice out of the back of my memory. And I was like, what's up with this independent publishing? Mm. And I looked into it 
And I was like, oh, I'm going to start my own publishing company yeah. because I didn't want anybody else to have the rights. Yeah, yeah. And here's another story that came at that same time. And I want to share this because I, I, uh, people need to know this part, too, is I had a friend named Renee. She's no longer with us. Um, she passed last year, but she was this beautiful, um, a beautiful friend in my life. And she was a writer. She'd written this book with... Um, with a major publishing company and she was sharing her story that was a pretty interesting story and um, you know they gave they did the traditional stuff they gave her an advance right and um, and so she wrote this book for them and it's a beautiful book and a few years down the line I can't I don't know how many years down the line it was but um, they came to her and said okay well we're not going to print your book anymore and so you can buy the books that are in inventory from us for whatever it was. I think it was like 78 cents or something. It was a paperback book. And so she wanted to buy those copies back so she could um, you know, give them out to people. But because of the contract she had with them, she could never republish that book. And ebooks weren't a thing at that time. So they had all the rights that they wanted to to do whatever they wanted with that book. Wow. Right? So that... That and I may not have all the logistics, you know, as it turned out for her. But but the the point being is that she had no, she, and she, I probably would have fought to get the right the the rights mm-hmm. back for myself. But I I don't know her what what they did. But when she gave me that piece of information, I was like, oh no. Which is why I say somebody could have just taken Catherine the Grape. So when I'm speaking to people, I love it when people go, oh, you just self published, and I was like. Well, I don't think you really even understand what that just word yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is. Like I run I run a publishing company. We've got, you know, this year alone we'll have mm-hmm. put out 40, 40 books. And what I mean by that is we've got seven Catherine the Great books, seven e-books. We've got seven black and white Catherine the Great affirmation books. Um, and so right there we've got 21 yeah. ISBNs going on. And then we just released eight, eight Let's Read Together books right. plus eight, eight um Ebooks mm-hmm. plus each of these seven were made into a complete book. So we've got a lot happening. Yeah, of course. So there's no just in that. No, not at all. Right? And no. so, but I, I have a young a, a woman that I know. She's just she's wanting to publish a book, and she reached out to me, and she's like, Catherine, um, what do you think about this and this and this? And I said, Well, what's your goal? You know, because she's asking about publishing, and I said, mm-hmm. Well, what is your what's your long term goal with what you're doing? Because that the decision you're going to make right now really is kind of like, where do you see yourself five years down the line? Mm-hmm. And so often, that's the thing is for people when they get, I say, just get on the road. And you may have that goal way down there. Um, but so many beautiful things are going to open up as you get on the road. And you may not even know what your goal is yet. Yeah. And then once you get on the road, like you say, it reveals itself. It does. It does. And so I'm always just like, just, my dad used to say this to me. I obviously used to have this breakdown before a breakthrough thing a lot. Because <laughs> yeah. it just came to me. He's probably like, hey, let me give you this piece of advice, Kevin. I used to stall. I used to like freeze when a major decision needed to get made. Oh, and I, I was do scared. That all the time. Yeah. Okay. And then I would do this waffling thing. Okay. This was, and my dad said to me, he used to say, Catherine, you need to make a decision to make a decision. Ah. Right. So I'd be like, <gasps> right. This yeah. is me before. And so I love that. You just need to make a decision to make a decision. So, and that's part of the like, yeah. okay, I'm going to get on the road. Now I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start seeing what's there. Mm. So you're right. If you would have told me a decade ago when I filed for my, you know, Candid Unlimited, you know, state 
filing, business filing, yeah. right? In January 2010. If you would have said, hey, Catherine, in 10 years, you're going to put all your music under there. You're going to have albums out. You're going to do all this stuff. I'd be like, what? Yeah. You know? And yeah. so, you know, you, you, you have this magical power inside of mm. me. It's inside of you. It's inside of all of us to manifest what we desire for the good of the world. And I fully believe wholeheartedly that all the powers of the universe, God, everything comes in and supports the goodness that we want to share in the world. I believe that and I will never not believe that. It's such a beautiful message. It really is. <laughs> I need a tissue. I'm tearing up. No, so this is great. I mean, I think it's unbelievable what you're doing. And I love the whole story of Kyle. how it started as a child and, 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 you know, what you experienced going through college and fighting and never giving up and believing in yourself and knowing you could do it. And, you, you know, we go through these struggles and we climb mountains, we go into valleys and we climb up again. And ah, it's awesome. Thank it's a you. great, great story. Thank you so much. And, you know, I've learned, um, I just want to share this too. I think that we, you know, we, there's, there's parts of my story. I don't like, just like how I said, like, I've never shared that because I had to get my whole head around that part of my story. And so sometimes, you know, we're all kind of in that. Remember when Oprah used to get everybody on the couch and there were like these tell-alls, right? Or people should <laughs> have these tell-all books. Mm -hmm. But I want to give from, I want to give, you know, cause I had to give myself this. It's okay to not share every detail of your life with people. It's okay to be private. Yeah. It, and, and there's a beautiful discernment in that to choose, you know, it's a spiritual gift of, to have discernment, to know what is appropriate to share and what's not. And also, what do you want to put energy on? Like I have had a lot of hardship, like a lot. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to put the energy there. That's not what I want to grow. I want I want to look forward and and continue to manifest and grow goodness. Now I'm not saying that eventually perhaps there could be some seeds that I share here, but I don't want to spend my time here. I, I was mm, already there. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's not a vibration I want to stay in. That's not that's not the, the where I want to be. But I can share some of the lessons that I learned here. They come through in my songs. They come through in my books. And I have a son who's 12. And the last, and I always told myself, I would never share something with other people that I wasn't willing to share with my son. And so I think that's important is that some of the more vulnerable things I've shared, I've shared with him age appropriately. Like I, I didn't want, I would never want one of his friends to be like, hey, my mom <laughs> read this thing on Facebook, you know, like, yeah. that would, that would hurt. That would hurt me if, if yeah. it, that touched him. So I think it's, it's okay for people to be private. There's a different energy between being secretive and being private. Oh, very much. Very much. And so we can be, we can be self-lovingly private about things that don't necessarily need to be shared. Or, and also sometimes we're just not ready to share it. You know, my mom, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, some of the things that are hard for me to share, it's not that I want to keep it from people. It's just hard for me to talk about. And we have to allow people to be okay not sharing with us, you know, to be to let our friends and our family that it doesn't have to be a tell-all episode um, all the time. That it's okay to let people go through what they've gone through, and that you're still loving them even if they're not confiding all aspects of their life to you. It's not necessary. Mm. And compassion is allowing people to be where they are. 
so that I can sit with my friends and know they're going through a hard time, but I don't need to probe them about what they're going through. I'm just, I'm here. And whether you share with me or not, I'm going to love you anyway. Right. And I'm here. And I may not be able to be exactly here for you exactly in the minute because I got my own life too, but I'm here loving you, even if it's, you know, from a distance, you know, from not sitting, you know, holding your hand. Mm-hmm. And I think we all could could use a real good dose of that. The, the I learned this early on in my marriage where it was the whole um, – was it women are from Venus and men are from Mars? Remember that book that yes. came out a long time ago? And when they, they talk about this example about when a woman, let's say she comes home, she's had a rough day at work or some unpleasant experience, and she just wants to vent. Mm-hmm. The, the man, men are sometimes programmed to want to fix it. Mm-hmm. But you just need to be present. Mm-hmm. You just need to listen and be there for them. And I've really worked on that, you know, through my my marriage. And I think that's important, Mm -hmm. you know, it's showing that kind of mutual respect and love and support. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We want to be heard. And I mean, that's the power of storytelling, right? Is is that sometimes we just want to be heard. And I mean, that little girl who wanted to have a voice at the dinner table who didn't because I had three brothers who were talking. I, all these years later... I'm sharing all sorts of stories. You know, <laughs> my brothers are always like, what else are you going to share? But, you know, we all have these beautiful stories and this beautiful, you know, things to share. Or sometimes, you're right, it's a vent. It's like a blah, you know. And we have to be discerning about, uh, about um, I call it an energetic throw up, you know, like sometimes like I I got sick on a cruise this summer, right? We were on a cruise and I got super sick and I threw up all day long. It wasn't food. It was like they had a virus or something. They didn't know what was going on with me, but I had to go to the doctor and all this stuff. But anyways, the only thing that made me feel better, obviously, was throwing up. And that's what kind of we do sometimes with each other is that we have some pain inside of ourselves. And the way we get that out is we go all over other people. Okay, yeah. it's true. Well, I, so, I see that on Facebook all the time. Right. So <laughs> I don't feel good inside. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to all over you. Mm-hmm. And what happens inside of us when we throw up usually? We feel better. Right. Mm. So we feel better because I got it out. I got all the yuck out. I was feeling yucky and now I've gotten it out. But what we do is then all of a sudden it's all over somebody else. So now, so it didn't necessarily have to go on me. It could have gone someplace else, like your therapist's office, you yeah, know, yeah. your journal, yeah. right? So, uh, so this, so we have to be very discerning about what we're doing there, right? And some people don't realize that they are energetically throwing up on other people. So that vent that we're talking about, sometimes we need to be like, "Well, oh, I just want to share, right?" Or, or I need to tell you how I feel. But sometimes that's just their stuff. It's not. It it doesn't need to get thrown up on somebody else, right? Mm. And sometimes people mm. will vent at other people, mm. but it's not really the, any of this. It's none of your stuff. But I'm I'm projecting it onto you because you looked at me that some way, or somebody said something that said something that was all you. And so now I'm coming at you, and and no, we can be like, nope, I got my rain slicker on. You're not throwing up on me. Redirect <laughs> that over here. Yeah. So why is it important to help people feel good about themselves on the inside? Why is it important to give people tools of love to feel Mm. good on the inside? That's what I do. The self-love has to come from the inside. The ripple, Mm. the ripple comes from the inside. So 
so that we are we are throwing up yuckiness left less on everybody. And instead, we're, we're, we're feeling good on the inside about ourselves. So instead, we're rippling love to other mm. people. That's the difference. That's and that's what my whole ripple love song is about, right? Is that it, and everything that I do is about giving these tools of love, this treasure box of tools that goes in this affirmation series and now will be for the little kids too. Is that these are in, these are magical wand is what you have inside of you. All this love that we have inside of us, right? But if we don't have these tools, these tools of self-love, this self-discernment, the awareness, if we don't have that awareness, then we're just going to go around the world when we're not feeling good. You're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. <gasps> now I feel better. <laughs> until, yeah, yeah. until it fills back up again. Yeah. With yuck. Yeah. So the goal is to not have any yuck. Our kids don't really have yuck. They're naturally not have yuck. Right. right? We just, so we shouldn't have yuck either. So when we heal those parts of ourselves, when we get, put the medicine, the love inside mm. of us, we can, it's, it's like an, it's a back and forth thing. So it's a great message. This is good. Okay, good. <laughs> just, it's just like how I think. So, so, you know, Normally, I'd ask, you know, how can people get in touch with you and everything? But, I mean, you've got gigs, you've got books, you've got all this stuff going on. I mean, how can people connect with you? What's the best way to do that? No, it's it's an interesting world out there because um, anyways, I'm, you can, I'm on social media as Catherine Cloward, mm-hmm. also as Catherine the Grape. You know, it's a weird time, John, with like social media and stuff because you have to be there. Yeah. You have to be, you have to have a presence. But, um, you know, I also, like... It's a weird thing to be like, I'm putting it out. Am I, am I marketing enough? Am I on there enough? And, yeah. um, but also, I've got stuff i got to do, right? So I'm right. like, I, my goal isn't to be on social media all the time. Right. <laughs> uh, but I would love, you know, people can reach me at katherinecloward.com. You mm-hmm. know, all my books and music are there. I blog, right? I just kind of share, like, what we've done today. We've just talked. And that's kind of, you know, what comes through me, the lessons I'm learning, I just kind of share that. And um, and so you can connect with me by my name, Catherine Cloward, on Facebook and Instagram and my website. Um, and I, I, I do shamelessly market as much as I possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a great tool. Social media is a great tool. Yeah. Um, and then Catherine the Grape. So um, Catherine the Grape uh, is on all those avenues as well. And, you know, we're just – I'm just doing my best to – share my message, you know, keep, I just always be ABC. I'm like, always be creating, you know, like in sales, it's always be closing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You learn that like sales 101. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I was like, it's actually always be creating. Yes. And we all are always creating. Mm -hmm. We just have to trust those messages that come through us Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you have an idea, you know, there's, you wouldn't be given the idea if you couldn't create it. If you if you weren't going to be also given the means to create it. I want to see. I, I highlighted something on that, and um, it really caught my attention. And where was it? Oh, oh I'm going to find it. But it, but essentially, what it was is what you had mentioned in these notes was that yeah, you have these thoughts that pass by, and sometimes we discount them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, those are the seeds for beautiful things that you can create. Yes. And if you just trust yourself and allow those seeds to flourish. Yes. You can be always be creating and creating wonderful things. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And it does. And even people who are like, and let's say I used to think I wasn't creative. I'll tell you. I mean, now people are like, what are you talking about? But I remember I was in this women's group um, with all these different women who were at that time were authors. They were spiritual advisors. Um, there were sculptors. Renee, who was an uh, author. She was right. So I was around all these. And I was, I was, um, you know, I was at that time I was running my food company. And I remember I was like, I remember sitting there with all these women and I was like, there was like eight of us in this room. And I just remember saying, I don't think I'm very creative. And my friend goes, what? What are you talking about? And I hadn't read yeah. the book or a song mm-hmm. or anything publicly or anything like that at that time. And she goes, Catherine, you have like an idea. And then you make it a company. Like you're very creative. Extremely. And yeah. so why I say that is sometimes I encounter people who feel like their everyday life isn't creative or they're the perhaps like their accounting job or their ex you know fill in the blank it they're maybe not contributing to the world you know in the way that they might think that other you know comparatively to others and I'm like no every day whatever it is that you're doing that you were gifted to do on this planet what you do every day is an opportunity to seed other people, to do creative things, yes. right? Yes. To be, to use your brain, use your gifts to do wonderful things. So whether that's for numbers for you or whether that's uh, motherhood, you know, that you're, that you're creatively coming up with different things for your children, your family, your fatherhood, all these different pieces of who we are, that's how that's how collectively our each of our individual pieces connect. We need all of us. We can't have, you know, mm. one of my brothers is like, we can't have all these Catherines running around. You're like, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, you can. Yeah. But, but that, that, uh, that everything, you know, everything that everybody's doing is great. And so when we are in that high vibrating, positive place, now we can also choose to be mucky. We can choose mm. to be gossipy. Mm. We can choose to, do things on this planet in the shadows. I call that, you know, like, you know, when you're in the shadows, you can't bring that to light. You can't tell somebody what you're doing. Mm. That's not integrity. Right. Right. And so when we're doing the wonderful, glorious, you know, childlike things that make us joyful, all that together, that's beautiful. And look at what we can do on this planet if we all carried that and not the yucky mucky stuff. Oh. You know? The world would be a wonderful place. It already is a wonderful place, but imagine how much better it could be. Yes. Um, You know, I I really appreciate we are talking about that place of high vibration. I don't usually use those words, but when you say it, I know exactly what you mean. Because when we're in that moment, it's special. It just, we speaking for myself, I wish it happened more, you know, so it's really just up to me, you know, as an individual just to make that happen. Yeah, it's your choice. It's all of our choices. Yeah, it's our choice and maybe just releasing the filters. Yeah, yeah. And to and to actively want to be there, right? Like, you know, I mm. love to walk. I love to go for these long walks. And I, I love to be outside. And um, it's actually the most important meeting I have every day. Like people who know me, like my walk, I got to go on my walk. It's not for like some like, you know, massive exercise thing. It's because I'm I'm. I'm communing with nature, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm not sitting in front of my computer, which, you know, a lot, you know, I have yeah. to do a lot on my computer. Um, but there, but there is a, there's like a vibration in nature, right? So oh. when we, so when we were outside, we're enjoying that or music. I mean, who feels horrible around music? Everybody feels great because music is a sound frequency. It's a vibration. It is all a vibration and truly. And, and so if, if we're always kind of like elevating ourselves higher to that place where we're feeling our best, 
Now, mind you, life does happen. Of course, you know, there's some days where I'm like, oh my God, I don't feel so great. I'm not feeling so perky positive, mm-hmm. you know, but ultimately that's also my choice too. So instead of me mucking over people, I'll go, you know what? I need to, I need to keep, I need to, I need to be low profile today. I need to recharge my battery. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to know what we need to recharge. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, something like this show, you're allowing people to have a platform to share. Yeah. And people who are listening have a platform, have to go, huh, I resonate with that. Or I'm not really getting that. You know, and if you don't resonate with it, it you don't have to make an issue with it. You just don't pay attention to it. Right. right? What we're dealing with at Facebook right now is when people don't agree with something, blah, they're yeah. like, I got to tell you. And so that doesn't need to happen. You know, just ignore it if you want. If you choose, mm-hmm. or you can choose to dig in. You know, it's all up to you with what you energize. Exactly. So, what message do you want to energize? What part of you do you want other people to um, to receive? Wow. You know, um, this podcast I said to you was about life, liberty, and the pursuit <laughs> of happiness. What did you call that in the very beginning before we got started? Oh yeah, I said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I said, oh, your podcast is about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's my jam. That's your jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation. Hey, we jammed on it. Yeah, we did. That's an 80s song. Jam on it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my friends were like, yeah, they pull it together. I'm thinking of Town Called Malice from the band The Jam. Remember them? No. From the 80s? Yeah, that's like new wave. But um, all good. <laughs> Our mind goes in all hey, these John, places. Hey, you got me to say jam on it. Like, that's... Hey, okay, this is good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. This is Thank great. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to share. I really do. All right. Well, thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you.